Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good morning, everybody. My name is Lizzie Wolf. I'm the rector here at St George's. And uh, as Eve has already said, we are continuing with a sermon series on the book of Galatians. Now, five years ago, monsoon rains arrived early in northern Thailand. Twelve boys and their football coach became trapped in an underground cave. You may remember it because over the next 18 days, the world watched an incredibly complex international search and rescue operation. Very much against the odds, all 13 were rescued. News of their freedom brought relief, gratitude, joy, and exhilaration. A Thai Navy SEAL Facebook post confirming all 13 had been rescued had 56,000 shares within an hour, and comments like, you are all heroes, thank you on behalf of a grateful world, on behalf of all mothers, I thank you. Rescue Mission Chief Narong Sakasonatakorn said, This mission was successful because we had power, the power of love. Everybody sent it to the 13. Now, since then, there have been books, documentaries, songs, a feature film, and a Netflix series, all telling this story from different perspectives. Now, it is a dramatic good news story, But I think the level of interest is rather extraordinary. It seems this story of rescue and freedom connects with people on a deep level. As Christians, we know another story of rescue and freedom. Our story tells of a beautiful world gone wrong, with people entangled and trapped by sin. Our story has, at its heart, a loving God who wouldn't give up, a father who sent his son, Jesus, on a costly rescue mission. That mission took Jesus to the cross. There, empowered by love, He took on the sin of the world. He battled the powers of darkness that bound humanity. He bore our punishment and died. Jesus' death looked like the end of all hope. But three days later, Jesus rose again in victory. Sin, darkness, and death still exist. We see their influence and their impact on the world, but... They no longer rule. They don't have the final word. We have been rescued by Jesus. And he offers us freedom as a gift. When the Thai boys were rescued, they were dragged underwater through narrow tunnels. Now, we don't have to do anything like that. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. We simply say yes, and we're free. 
free from the powers of sin and darkness, free to live God's way, free to be the people that we were designed to be. Before her baptism a couple of weeks ago, one of our young people, Edith, said this, I always knew God had great power, but it scared me because I knew there was no partly in and partly out. You have to be fully committed. That felt like I'd miss out on things that others would do, like dating or just being more what I thought then was free. But now, reflecting on this, there's no greater feeling of being free than when you have God by your side. We tell this story of rescue and freedom in various ways whenever we meet together. As we are going to say later on in our communion liturgy, it is our story and our song. Today, guided by our passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians, we're going to explore the theme of freedom, thinking particularly about how to keep freedom, how to use freedom, and how to live freedom. So, first question, how do we keep our freedom? A friend of mine in London once took a funeral for a lady who lived on the streets. She used to walk around with a trolley full of plastic bags, asking for money and reacting aggressively if people refused. My friend didn't really expect anyone to be at the funeral, but it turned out there were actually several well-dressed people. Several years earlier, the woman had inherited a large fortune, including a luxury fat and several valuable paintings. She was actually extremely wealthy, but she couldn't bring herself to leave her old lifestyle with her bags of rubbish, so she never enjoyed her inheritance. The sad thing is that there are people today who never really enjoy their inheritance in Christ. They have freedom, but they live as if they don't. Galatians 5 verse 1 warns us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, before they became Christians, the Galatians were pagans. They were set free by Jesus, and they're not going back to that. But we know from the rest of the letter that some of them have started trying to keep the Jewish law, observing special days and months, even being circumcised. That little word, again, do not let yourselves be burdened again, suggests that for Paul, the writer of this letter, both pagan idolatry and religious legalism basically amount to the same thing, spiritual slavery. Tim Keller puts it like this, Paul wants the Galatians to remember that you can't add to Christ without subtracting Christ. He is either all their value or he is without value. If the Galatians put their trust in anything other than Jesus, they will never be sure they're good enough. Instead of freedom, that will lead to an anxious, burdened life. 
Now, most of us probably aren't worshipping pagan idols or wondering if we need to be circumcised in order to be a proper Christian. But I wonder what the equivalent might be in our lives. Are there things that you think you have to do to make God love you, to make sure that you're okay? Some people think that you have to be good or go to church or read your Bible. Some people think that God can't possibly love them because of a particular aspect of their life. Maybe something that's happened to them or something that they've done. But the gospel tells us, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever your life has been like, God sees you, God knows you, and God loves you. Jesus died to set you free. He did everything that needs to be done. Freedom is a gift. All you have to say is yes. So don't let anyone or anything stop you from enjoying that freedom. So that was our first question, how do we keep freedom? The second one is how do we use our freedom? Now in Oxford, there is a beautiful library called the Radcliffe Camera with grass around it. Now apparently, that uh, grass used to be uh, surrounded by very high railings that obscured the view of the building. But during the Second World War, the government commanded that the ironwork should be taken away and used to make armaments. Suddenly, the Radcliffe camera was free from its barricade. In the 1950s and 60s, there were small notices asking people not to walk on the grass, and it seems that people mostly obeyed. However, in the 70s and the 80s, the grass became a favourite spot for tourists to picnic. Then people started having parties there. Then it became the place to go to drink and to beg. People in the library found it too noisy to work. The grass got all trampled. Instead of looking beautiful, it became messy and scruffy. Finally, in the late 1980s, the university decided to put the railings back. They're not as high as the original ones, so you can still see the building. And the building and the grass look beautiful again. Now, that little story about the Radcliffe camera in Oxford is a story about the use and abuse of freedom. And that's what the next part of our passage in Galatians is about. Sometimes people think the Christian message of freedom is dangerous because it will lead to people doing exactly what they want. And that sounds like total chaos. Now, Jesus does give us freedom to live any way we want. And freedom does bring with it the possibility of making poor choices. But the thing is, the more we understand who Jesus is, how much he loves us, what it cost him to win our freedom, the more we want to use our freedom to live for him. Galatians tells us that's about choosing a life of loving service. 
So in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but did not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, loving service was a big theme in the king's coronation yesterday. Of course, the king has a life of power and privilege. But for the first time, the coronation included a personal prayer by the king. And this is what he prayed. God of compassion and mercy, whose son was sent not to be served but to serve, give grace that I may find in thy service perfect freedom, and in that freedom knowledge of thy truth. Grant that I may be a blessing to all thy children of every faith and belief, that together we may discover the ways of gentleness and be led into the paths of peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So, if Jesus has given us freedom, and we want to use that freedom to live for him, choosing loving service, the next question is, how do we do it? How do we live out that freedom? Now, to help us think about this, we're going to contrast two types of tree. The first type is a Christmas tree. Now, I love Christmas trees. They look wonderful. Actually, ours doesn't look quite as wonderful as that one. That is a tip-top Christmas tree. Sparkly lights, tinsel, and decoration. But of course, it's artificial. After a short time, Christmas trees are either thrown out, or they're folded up, and they're put away. The second type of tree is a fruit tree in an orchard. Now, these don't look quite so spectacular, but if they're properly cared for, they can go on bearing fruit year after year. Now, the Christmas tree represents what Paul calls in our passage the flesh or the sinful nature. This is how we all start. We discover within ourselves all sorts of desires which, if given free reign, would lead to the sorts of activities listed in verses 19 to 21. Now, it's not a great list. I'm going to run through them again. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I never know quite what he means by and the like. But clearly, a society with lots of people behaving like this is unlikely to be a very happy place. But that's where Jesus comes in. As we put our faith in Jesus and are baptized into the community of his followers, we've seen that we receive freedom, so we're no longer bound by those sinful patterns of behavior. But that's not all we receive. Along with our freedom, we also receive the Holy Spirit. The fruit tree represents life by the Spirit. And Galatians 5 verse 22 tells us the kind of fruit 
that the Holy Spirit grows in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is not about trying really hard to be a nice person. Actually, as Tom Wright points out in his commentary, if you suspect that someone who is being kind to you is having to try very hard to do it, the kindness itself loses its flavor. This is about letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives, transforming us from the inside out. Again, we heard about this in the coronation yesterday. Archbishop Justin said in his sermon, the weight of the task given today, your majesties, is only bearable by the Spirit of God, who gives us the strength to give our lives to others. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the King is given freely what no ruler can ever attain through will or politics or war or tyranny. The Holy Spirit draws us to love in action. Now, the good news for us is that the Holy Spirit isn't just for kings and queens. The Holy Spirit is given to all Christians, to each one of us. The Holy Spirit draws all of us to love in action. But although we can't do this without the Holy Spirit, we're also not just passive recipients. There are still things for us to do in this process. Galatians 5 and verses 24 to 25 put it like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In practice, that process of crucifying the sinful nature and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit often looks like confession and prayer. We do that together each week in our services, but we can also do it more personally throughout the day, whenever we need to. Prayers like this. Oh Lord, I've become really anxious about this. I'm sorry. Please help me get hold of the truth that you are in control. By your spirit, please give me your peace that passes understanding. Or another example. Father, I'm sorry I was intimidated and I missed that opportunity. Please forgive me and send your spirit to help me be more courageous next time. As we pray, we remember that God loves us. When we confess our sins, he forgives. And when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, he delights to answer. As we use our freedom to choose loving service, the fruit of the Spirit gradually grows. Not like baubles that get added onto a Christmas tree, 
more like fruit on a fruit tree that are truly part of the tree, part of who we have become. It may be that you need to know today that God loves you just as you are so that you can stand firm and know that freedom for which Christ set you free. It may be that you want to commit to using your freedom to live God's way, a life of loving service. Or it may be that God just puts his finger on a particular part of your life or a situation or a person, and you want to bring that before God and confess to him and ask his Holy Spirit to come and to help you in that particular area. Thank you for listening to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.